Welcome back to uh, Million Dollar Careers. This is my uh, 200th podcast, so I'm celebrating it Fourth uh, of July weekend with my 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 good friend Rob Houghton. Rob is uh, the president of MR Fairfax up in uh, Washington D.C. and one of the most successful executive recruiters in the insurance space. And uh, he's actually pivoted now, and he's he's developed a very successful executive coaching practice. So, Rob, it's uh, it's great to have you. It's great for you to be back on. Thank you. Great, man. Thanks a lot, Craig. And first of all, congratulations on 200 podcasts. Who'd have, who'd have ever thunk that, man? Uh, yeah, this started as a this started as a hobby because I got bored a couple of years ago. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's taken on a whole new it's taken on a whole new dimension. So I just you know we're gonna keep it going, and it's a lot of fun. Oh, so I listen to your podcast. Sometimes I'm on, but a lot of times you have other you know captains of business on in the aviation aerospace industry and. I see it on uh, LinkedIn all the time, and man, you got quite a following, man. Well, you've been you've been really on this thing. Come on, you you and I have been doing the Million Dollar Careers podcast for a long time together, and uh, yeah. and it, and it's always fun. Your insight is is great. So uh, so let's do another one. Thanks, man. Let's go number two hundred, man. Number two hundred. So I was sitting there thinking about this, and and uh, it, it came about from a college kid who's like, "What are ten pieces of career advice?" I'm like, oof, ten pieces of career advice. So now that I am, uh, very, as you and I are both, you know, very gray in our hair. Yeah, we, we got a few gray hairs now. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and going back to the younger me, what's the 10 careers advice I would give the younger me? Absolutely. No, I love it, man. Yeah. So number one, let's 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 talk about it. Focus, man. Focus. I had a Korean friend back in the late 80s out of school. That was my first job. I used to hang out down in Georgetown with a lawyer buddy of mine who's still one of my best friends, Tom Passarelli. And there was this guy by the name of Kwan. He was a, he was a Korean guy. He was short, squatty, you know, had the hair between the glasses, not a very good looking guy. I remember he was a little bit older than us and he owned a chain of like physical therapy offices, but really good personality. And when we would go out to some of the bars in Georgetown, Tom and I'd be sitting around talking about sports, talking about business, you know, just having like these intellectual kind of back and forth conversations. We noticed Quan would, would be like talking to all the women in the bar. By the end of the night, Quan would always be going out the door with a girl on his arm. It was just amazing. And we could never figure this out. And one day we're having lunch with Quan and Tom says, Quan, what, what's your secret anyways? I mean, every and he's a single guy, right? We said, Quan, like, what's your secret anyways? We always see, a, you know, arm in arm, leaving with a fairly attractive woman at the, end, at the end of the night. And he says, it's three things, man. And, he, I, and I said, what? And he goes, in his Korean accent, he goes, focus, focus, focus. I said, what do you mean focus, focus, focus? He goes, while you guys are sitting around BSing about sports and everything under the sun, I just want to find a girlfriend. So I just go around and talk to all the women in the bar. He goes, I'm just focused on, I want to find somebody that I can date. He says, I would literally talk to every single female in that bar while you guys are BSing about whatever, college basketball, football. He goes, it just comes down to focus. Yeah. And I never forgot that. I tell a lot of people that focus, focus, yeah. focus story. Yeah. I look at it differently. Yeah. I look back at my, yeah, I go, yeah, hey, look, it's always good to be looking at the where the other person, the other more successful person is and say, I want to be there. I want to be there. Do you, do you remember, uh, oh, oh, what was the movie? A guy pulls up in a Ferrari and uh guy looks at him and says, How much do you make a month? He goes, he goes, How much do you make? He goes, 60. 
60 a year? No, 60 a month. He's like, I want to be you. And it's like, it's really good. You want to be somewhere else. You want to be better. But yeah. it, all start, it all starts with where you are right now and focusing on the task yeah. at hand. Where you are now and focusing on the thing in front of you is much more important than looking at tomorrow and saying, I want to be there. Well, you know, getting from here to there is a process. And every step along the way requires focus. I did a blog last week, now that you mention it, on the one thing. Okay. So have you seen the movie City Slickers? Yeah. Okay. You know the story, right? The old cowboy is on the horse. And uh, the actor, I, I can't remember his name right now, is is riding on the horse next to him. They're on the dusty trail on, on a cattle drive. And the guy's going through a divorce. He's he's totally lost. And the old cowboy, he's got everything all figured out. And and uh, the young guy looks at, the, looks at the old cowboy and said, man, what's the secret to life anyways? I don't understand. Like, why are you so happy? What is the secret to life? And the old cowboy turns around and looks at him and he goes, one thing. And the guy says, what do you mean? What What is the one thing? He goes, the one thing. It's whatever the most important thing is in your life. It's different for everybody. Right. The one thing. And he goes, yeah, he says, I guess I got to figure out what the one thing is. And he goes, figure out the one thing, and then the rest is easy. It's really yeah. true. Though. The one thing, man. Just focus on your one thing, which is different for everybody. Yeah, that's exactly it. Focus. I mean, that's. I think focus is uh, the the key to success in just about everything. Value. Number two, value. Being valuable is more important than being successful. Being valuable to whoever your customer, being valuable to the customer, being valued to your employer, your family, whatever. Being value, bringing value is much more important than bringing success. Uh, Stephanie and I are watching a mini series now, premium cable series called The Titanic. And uh, there's a scene in there where this guy, Dr. Muir, M-U-I-R, is a, is a specialist. He's just graduated from college in London. And he is like a metallurgist expert, particularly mm -hmm. on ships. He's in New York and he's at a party and somehow he meets up with J.P. Morgan. He has no idea who J.P. Morgan is, right? At that time, the richest guy in the world. Anyways, he hears that J.P. Morgan is financing the building of this great ship, the Titanic. The years, I think, 1908 or 1909. This guy, Dr. Muir, walks up to uh, J.P. Morgan and says, uh, I understand you're building this great ship. And he says, yeah, I am. He says, you need to hire me. And J.P. Morgan looks at him and says, why do I need to hire you? He says, because I am the best metallurgist in the world. I know all of the latest technology techniques to build a great ship. That's what I can do for you. And J.P. Morgan hired him on the spot. And then the guy became involved in the Titanic. And actually, as the story goes, found out that the riveting system was not good. The steel was impure and highlighted all these all these mistakes that were later overlooked. Hence, the Titanic was sunk. But yeah, that's a great example. When I was looking at that, I was thinking the same thing. Can you imagine walking up to like Sir Richard Branson or, or Bill Gates or somebody at a party or at a gathering and just saying, I can add immediate value to your business because I can do this, this, and this. They would probably listen to you, you know? Maybe. I mean, I look at it like, you know, the value, you know, I, I, I thought about, it. I was, I went over to a young fellow's house, 30 year old, he's 
brand new baby. And this guy that I placed at his first job out of college. Maybe he's listening to this. I don't know. Then his former boss is a fella who I placed in his first job. And then I think about another wow. guy who's killing it on the sales side. And I placed him with his job. And all these guys are just, they're making bucks, big bucks. And they've all, you know, you know one guy just sent me a, uh, a case of a couple of bottles of wine the other day. I'm like, yeah, don't, don't send me wine. I'm happy to do what I do. But you provide value, you know, me being value to them, being valuable to them in their career is much more, much more of interest to me than being successful in my, if I bring value to people, success follows. Right. And that's what people forget is they want to be successful. When I say, if you bring value, you will be successful. If you try to be successful without bringing value, you've got the equation backwards. Yeah. So how, how do you bring value to your clients? Um, look, I just shot one client a, a note. They want to they want to bring somebody on board. And I had a long conversation with that person the other day. And I just wrote him a note. I don't think I don't think this is the right fit for you. You know, I went to the client. I go, look, I know you want to bring this person on board. I know you have a relationship with them. And I know you think they're interesting to your business. I don't think they're the right person. And here's why. You know, they spent, and you know, it was about a 45 minute conversation. And this person spent 45 minutes talking about why they can't be successful. And then he says, I want a seat at the table. Well, a seat at the table of why they can't be successful. Let's go find somebody who is not mired in the why we can't do it, but who brings an entrepreneurial mindset to something. And says, if we do this, 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 and this, we have a really good shot at doubling the business. Yeah. Yeah. That's the value I bring. That's the value I think I bring. So honesty. And that's how you build trust. Yeah. Honesty, trust. I mean, hey, look, you know, it's, you know, you just talk people through things. You see, it's like you, you see things in all the conversations you have every week, you see things in 30 different, from 30 different angles. Yeah, most people are kind of so focused heads down. They see they see it, and they've got tunnel vision. They see the left side of the tunnel and the right side of the tunnel. Do you feel like uh, the fact that you are a true subject matter expert, ex Navy aviator, aerospace, you know, airline industry? Do you think that subject matter expertise positions you as an expert, which also adds tremendous value too? Look, I think people just make it too hard. I mean, look, am I an expert? You know, I think I've become very cautious. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know. So I don't talk about, I don't have, I don't opine about things that I really don't know. I'm not in depth with, you know, I'm not in deep with somebody's somebody's business. So I don't know what what may be happening under the surface with personalities or something like that, right? You just, you know, we're kind of skimming the surface. But what we do know is, you know, how other people have fixed problems, what other people are doing. We see it from a, we see it from a, a, you know, a bird's eye view and you're like, well, here's what this, you know, this group over here did. And here's what this group over here did. And, you know, here's what these people are telling me. So you make your own decision, but here's kind of what I'm seeing. So I think it's, you, you know, most insurance businesses, I can, you know, I can pick my way through a, an aviation or aerospace business. 
pretty quickly. But I think people try to make it too hard. And if they break it down to the most simple, most basic principles. Yeah, I think your subject matter expertise, I would define it a little bit differently. It's really having the broad perspective from touching all these various clients across the spectrum provides you a perspective that probably CEOs don't even have because they don't have insight into all their competitors, whereas you do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, you know, you're, you're talking, like I said, you, you, the value you bring is when you're able to talk to a CEO from just say, Hey, look, here's kind of what the other people are doing. Yeah. Right. You know, be different. Yeah. Here's the opportunities. So number three, I think it kind of comes between with number two, be the expert. Yeah, man. Subject matter expertise. Specialization, I think, is becoming increasingly important as things get more complicated and complex, you know, as complexity dawns on us through AI and machine learning and, and all this stuff. I think, you know, specialization is probably where most people want to be. I think if you're, you know, sort of a generalist mid-manager, I'd be careful. Fella called me up about a year ago. He's a successful, he runs a maintenance, yeah, he was a director of aviation for a, um, uh, you know, a company that's got five business jets. And, but part of the being director of aviation was he was the maintenance guy, not a pilot, but he was a maintenance guy. But he had a good, and he's like, I like what I do, but I'm getting pigeonholed. How do I grow out? How do I get out? That's it. All right. Be the expert. He goes, what do you mean be the expert? So, well, you've got five golf streams in your hangar, right? Yeah. Okay. Have you bought and sold a few golf streams in your life in your you know, since you've been there? He goes, oh, we, we buy, sell airplanes all the time. Okay. You got LinkedIn? You got LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. So why don't you become the golf stream expert and put out five things to consider when you're buying a golf stream? Five biggest maintenance headaches I've dealt with with golf stream. Be the expert and start to promote yourself as that expert and see what happens there. He's like, well, I'm not necessarily comfortable. You know, then do then figure out a way to do it a different way. You know, become the expert. When I do short videos on LinkedIn now myself, it always starts out the same. Hello again, Rob Houghton, president of MRF, the largest executive search firm specializing in insurance in the Washington, D.C. region. That's it. Yeah. I'm the number one guy. Am I really the number one guy? I don't know if anybody could actually ever actually figure that out because it's all privately held information. But, you know, everybody comes to me. I represent, you know, 13 of the top 20. I never really see anybody else in my market space. So, yeah, I'm the number one guy. And I'm, I'm sure when people see that, they're like, I want to deal with the number one guy. I'm the expert. Being the expert is, you know, if you're the person, the guy or the girl that people the come guy. to all the time. You are then valued in the organization. The expert is valued. What do we do? Where do we go? How should we handle this problem? Who do we talk to? I'll give you an example, right? So a new client will call me up and it's 99, 99%. Well, first of all, I never call new businesses to, mm -hmm. to become a client. Right. I did that like the, the first 12 months I was in business. But now mm -hmm. all my leads, all my new business comes from referrals. Right. So... These people know about me that I specialize in insurance, specialize mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C. area, specialize in account managers, producer, blah, blah, blah. When I go visit them and we have this discussion, 
they're always like leaning forward. And then at the very end of the meeting, we get to the point about compensation. How much are you going to charge us, Rob? I always get that. And I can tell they're always afraid to ask the question because they're afraid what the answer is going to be. Because I know I ain't cheap, you know. Right, right, right. So I always lean forward and I say, oh, it's anywhere from 30 to 35%. And I get this strange look in their face like, what? 30 to 35% of what? I said, first year's annual compensation, including any bonuses or commissions. <laughs> and they look at me like I'm from outer space. It's always the same look, like the look yeah. of disbelief, you know. And, and I said, that's what I charge. And they're like, can you do any better than that? And I said, I really can't because when I ask you to discount your fees, you know, mm -hmm. you're a service business too. I said, it's what I charge. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't know, Rob, you know, and, and I said, well, the alternative is, you know, how's it working out for you? What you're doing now? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I got this recruiter. He's charging me. You know, there's some recruiters out there that charge 10, 15%, believe it or yeah. not. Like yeah. I hear this like 10, 15%. I'm like, how's that working out for you, man? You're talking about probably, mm -hmm. you know, a stay-at-home dad, uh, dad or mom mm -hmm. working out of a basement office, you know, in the concrete, just hammering out resumes. I said, is that what you really want? Or do you want a subject matter expert that knows as much yeah. about insurance as most insurance people? Right. And you're always like, okay, can we get a future discount? And my answer is, yeah, if you do a lot of business with me, then we and I become a true partner in your business, then we could talk about lowering the fee a little bit. But yeah, yeah it's 30 to 35%. And, and they always sign because I bring value. It It's obvious, you know? Somebody sent me a resume. It was really funny. Somebody sent me a resume. Hey, this would be a really good person for you to talk to. And it was uh, it was somebody who had been at one of the worst aircraft brokerages, horrible reputation, like maybe two years of aircraft brokerage, horrible reputation. And... <laughs> They'd left that to become a realtor. Horrible. Yeah, a realtor. I'm like, I, 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 you know, okay. So, yeah, no. Yeah. We'll he wants to be it. a realtor? No, he is a realtor. Yeah. Left the aircraft brokers, left the worst aircraft brokers in the world to become a realtor. I'm like, yeah, okay. There's there's a profile. Somebody's going to pay me a lot. A realtor? There's like millions of those people. But, but that's the whole, that's the problem. That's the problem with, yeah, that's the issue is that you get, yeah, it's, it, anyway, be the expert. Uh, you, you know, know I hope there's that. no realtor. They call themselves realtors now for some reason. It's no well, other. It is R-E-A-L-T-O-R, -E realtor. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it used to be, I'm a realtor. You know what I mean? There's always like an A in there. But now it's, no, I'm a realtor. Yeah. I mean, what the yeah. fuck is a realtor, man? It sounds, well, you, you well, sound well, like a retard, you know? I'll tell you what drives me crazy, too. Is, a realtor. Is, yeah. I'll tell you what drives is aircrafts. <laughs> I'm like, aircrafts is not a word. <laughs> If you're going to write about the industry, you can't write you can't write about all the aircrafts in the world. You know, it's like Santa Santa's reindeers don't pull his sleigh, and there are no aircrafts. So yeah, therein lies the issue about expertise, right? So we'll just yeah. leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. I can't think of it. You know, I hope there's no realtors listening to this. And actually, my nephew's a realtor, but uh, you know, I can't think of a worse freaking job than a realtor, man. Can you uh, imagine? I, look, uh, hey, look, the guy that just helped me buy Maddie's house. Friday night, a, Saturday. No, 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 no. Look, look, it's like the, the there are really good real estate agents and there are really poor ones. And the, the ones that are really good are like anything. They're worth they they bring value. They're the experts and they are worth their weight in gold. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, is that you, you got to separate. It's like everything. You got to separ separate the wheat from the chaff. Right. But there's a huge separation there, man. There's like yeah. 0.001 percent. Yeah. It's good. Exactly.
So anyway, I guess your realtor guy's listening to the podcast. You had to cover. He might be. Yeah, Sherwood Strickland's his name, and him and his wife <laughs> are phenomenal. They are, are unbelievably good. So there you go. Good man. Number four, mediocrity. I don't even know what that word means, man. That that word is like yeah, so far hidden under my subconscious. You know, we'll just leave this one short. Mediocrity never opens doors. Being mediocre doesn't open a door. Nobody wants to talk to you. If you're mediocre, if you're begging the government for help, if you're saying somebody else should pay for it because you can't figure out how to pay for yourself, you're mediocre. You know, if you're yeah. constantly asking, if you're constantly asking, you're mediocre. It doesn't open doors. It doesn't, you know, figure out a way to get really, really good, focused. And I think that comes into number one, two, and three. Become the focused expert who's valued because yeah. mediocre does nothing. Yeah, I think you want to be part of the, you know, they. it really is true, actually, that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. I, I think you want to shoot for, you know, 5 or 10%. But, you know, in special operations, we used to always hear this. And maybe, we, I think we got this from Top Gun, your buddies, you know, we always hear this, like this Tom Cruise line. I think that's all the time. Why do, you, why do you want to do this? I want to be the best of the best. That's so, that's so much bullshit. I used to tell guys, forget about this. I want to be the best of the best. You want to be the best that you can be. Yeah. You want to do everything you can to be the best that you can be. Mm -hmm. That's what you want to do. Forget about the best of the best, because there's always going to be somebody better than you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you can't be everything to everybody. Yeah. You just got to be the best that you can be at what you want right. to do. And, right. and if, if you do that, you'll never be mediocre. You know? uh, uh, well, that's, once again, become the focused expert who is valued. You know, the person who is, you know, the big, the, the guy that just ran the sub two hour marathon probably can't bench, bench press a pencil. Yeah. You know, but I can guarantee you that Arnold Schwarzenegger ain't going to run a, a sub two hour marathon, you know, so it, it all comes about, you know, be, be really good at something that just something, find your little niche, be really good at something and you're going to be fine. No, you're right. Yeah. 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 I can't tolerate mediocrity, man. You know, I can't tolerate it anywhere. It's mm -hmm. like uh, I've always been lucky in working in organizations that were, you, you know, elite, as you have. You know, being a naval aviator, obviously. You know, but but uh, yeah, I can't tolerate that, and uh, it's probably why I'm not a good manager because it's the, the, you know the eighty percent of the people would would just kill me. You know, I signed a long term agreement. With his organization, I pay him a lot of money every year, and I you know, and and the the long term agreement is up in in October, and it has been the most mediocre bunch of performers, <laughs> uh, and the fact that I still have to pay these people it just makes me want to put a bullet in my head. Yeah, you're right. I know what you're talking and, about. Yeah. And and yeah, and they're like, well, what's the matter with us? I'm like, you don't do jack, yeah, but you still want to get paid. Yeah, exactly. And, and and they're like, yeah, well, well, you know, and they just don't get it. And and that's the problem with mediocrity is that, you know, it just mediocrity. I'd rather just somebody be really bad. I do a lot of coaching now. And uh, I just did a topic a, a couple of days ago with probably four or five different people. And the, the title of it was uh, the obstacle is the way the obstacle is the way. In other words, every day. We're going to face obstacles. It's up to us to figure out how to yeah. get around that obstacle. In other words, 
if if some guy like insults you, okay, mm-hmm. then it's your chance to practice forgiveness, maybe. Right. And, you know, you got to look at all these things, you know, the other side of the same coin. And these executives were getting into this. It, it's sort of a stoic concept, actually, you know, and uh, but it is the truth. It is the truth. If, if you want to be mediocre, then you're going to let these obstacles stop you every, every day. You, yeah. And you're going to have excuses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the obstacle is the way. Yeah. You have to em- embrace these obstacles because the mediocre people don't embrace it. And that's what they stops no, they, they're, they're always looking for someone else to bail them out. And that, that bothers me. Um, number five, freedom. Freedom comes from strength, not weakness. Well, that's like in these um, fee agreement, you know, discussions, negotiations that I have with new clients. I've got the freedom to say no. Yeah. If you don't want to or you can't pay me 30 to 35 percent, then I'm moving on. Yeah, and I hate saying work no. out for you. You know, I hate just, saying no to people. I hate saying no to people because I know there's a lot of people out there that want help. They just need the help. I'm like, no, I can't. It's not. I can't. I'm either too busy or whatever else. And that comes from strength. It comes from yeah. Look, I, you you work hard. I work hard. And I'm digging in. I'm digging into it. I don't take you know Wednesdays off and. Yeah, you know, Saturdays are usually a work day in the afternoon for me. And it's like, yeah, hey, look, you get in there and you focused and you work hard to get to where you get. And all of a sudden now you're starting to find some freedom to walk away from stuff. Hey, man, you know, uh, back in the day of special operations, we were so far away from the flagpole, so decentralized, way out at the end of the string that we had very little oversight. And we would get different missions, you know, from the GTF. Mm-hmm. And we got to, you know, we were so good at what we did. We got a, we got a chance to pick and choose because the, there were different services: the Air Force, the Navy, the Army, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we had a saying, and, and basically it was, "If it ain't a hell yeah, it's a no." It's a no. That's yep. a true freedom, you know. It's true. But freedom. how do you get that freedom, man? I mean, how do you get the freedom to even be a little cocky? You got to be good, man. Well, you got to be really, good. really yeah. good. But you know, look, everybody <laughs> talks about you know, every, you know, you're special ops. You know, to get to become a special operator is a hard freaking journey. You know, it's a hard journey to get. You got to get through you know, you know, buds or seal training and hell week and all the other stuff. And you know, and and then all of a sudden you get to that point where if it's not a hell yeah, it's a no. Yeah, you you went through a lot to get there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, but that's like everybody, but yeah, like, you know, you know, that's everybody that's, you know, getting to become a CEO is a hard journey, you know, getting to become, you know, a wealthy entrepreneur, everybody sees the success, but they don't see the 90, you know, 90% of the people, you know, most, what is it? 90, 90% of small businesses fold in five years. So you may see it for every successful entrepreneur out there, you see, there's nine the nine that didn't make it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's that's the that's the thing. So I look at freedom. Um, there's a different way to look at freedom too. It's like the Tom Cruise speech in uh, Jack Reacher, you know. And um you look at freedom, okay? Who is really free? Is the CEO of a Fortune 500 company really free? Because can he oh, really no. do can can he really do what he wants to do? Because 
he's got you know DEI people coming at him. He's got shareholders. Yeah. That guy is basically kissing ass oh, every freaking second of every day. That guy, I submit to you, that guy has less freedom yep. than an E6 retired enlisted military guy living off of a pension, living yeah. on a small farm. You know, I know no, no, no. nobody, you know, if you want to talk about corporate America, you know, who's got the most freedom salespeople. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah salespeople. They're entrepreneurs. They get out there and they go grind it. Absolutely. R rise and grind, baby. Rise and grind. Yeah. Freedom. Yeah. Freedom. That's it. So I love it. Income. Poverty sucks. Yeah. Too many people yeah. say, I don't care about the money. Do you know oh, who the people are? The people that, the people that come, Robert Freeland, this billionaire guy, told me this one time. He he told me all these, he has like these axioms, you know, they're like owners, owners versus temps and all this kind of stuff. He goes, you know, Robbie says, the only people, he says, you know what I like about you, Rob, we're on the Gulf Stream. And he goes, uh, you never complain about money. You never, you know, he says, you're, you're not into money. He goes, he goes, you know, the only people that complain about money are people that have never made any money. Yeah. It's, it's true, right? Yep. That's exactly well, it. Yeah, uh, Danny Cahill, really successful, really successful, really successful, um, really successful executive recruiter trainer out of, uh, he's written a couple books and and he's a, and he's a fun guy. He's a really, he's a very smart, fun guy. And he's an interesting guy. And I remember him saying something and he goes, there's only two people that, two people that don't care about money. People have never had it. Right. And people who, who've just made so much of it. It's he just calls it yeah look up he calls it all fuck you money, right? And you yeah. know what yeah he's like people that never have money, don't care about it. People that have it, don't care about it either. But everybody you know so I just tell people look, negotiate your value. Yes, you know negotiate your value. A guy told me yesterday he goes I'm going to buy you a steak dinner. I, I you know it's it's he called me last week when I was on the way to Maryland, and he's like I'm interviewing with this company. He's private equity owned. You know, I, I, you know, I'm not exactly how sure to negotiate this. And I was like, yeah, Mike, let's make it real simple. Let's just call their hundred million right now. Right. He goes, yeah. And they want you to do what? He goes, well, they want me to be you know, the head of sales. Okay. So if you take them from a hundred million to 150 million and you increase the intrinsic value of that company by twofold, Let's just say you take the intrinsic value of that company from 80 million to 160 million, right? That's an $80 million upside. You just tell them you want three or 4 million bucks. Exactly. You know, you want your base, your bonus. And at the end of the day, you want to make three or 4 million bucks. If you, if you're successful, I mean, they can't argue with that. And he's like, I, he calls me, he goes, he calls me and he says, I, I took your playbook word for word and they gave me everything I wanted. He was, I owe you dinner. I'm like, yeah, just, just talk nice about me. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, you, you remember Lynn Tilton, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, I remember Lynn Tilton. Patriarch part. Wonderful yeah. lady. Yeah. Lovely lady, right? So they're interviewing this guy, M MDHI Helicopters. Right? You know yeah, him, I, remember, right? I remember. Everybody remembers MD. Everybody MD in the industry knows MD Helicopters. Yeah. MD Helicopters, man. So I got this guy interviewing for a COO position. I think it was a COO. I'm not going to mention any names, but really interesting guy. I think it was a COO or, or a CFO. And, I, and he goes, Robbie says, you're a really good coach, man. He says, can you give me some coaching tips? He goes, you know. I'm not making as much money as I should. And, you know, what, what should I do during an interview? 
Mm-hmm. And he was talking with Lynn on the final interview. And I said, I'll tell you what, ask a simple question. Say, what can I do in the first six months that'll make you look really, really good? What can I do in the first six months to essentially hit a home run, right? Yeah. And I said, wait until you get the answer. Put your finger in your mouth. Wait till you get the answer. And then you instantaneously quantify that. Exactly what you just said. And this is what this guy did. He said, what can I do? And and Lynn told him, you could do, yeah, do it without even hesitation. You can do this, right? And the guy went ahead and he said, well, if I can do that, I'd like to get, I, I can't remember what the percentages was, but it, it was a, it was a healthy, it was like five, 10, 15%. Can I have right. five, 10, 15% of this intrinsic value or something? And uh, she called me on the phone after the interview and she goes, Rob, what the hell is going on? I, 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 I've never heard of anybody say that during an interview. And she said, you know, I said, well, what happened? Because my compensation is based upon total expected first year uh, compensation. She goes, you just, she said, I don't know if you coached this guy or what, but you just cost me a hell of a lot of money, Rob, because I agreed to what he, he, he asked me because I was on the spot. And, and I said, well, don't you think it's worth it? And she, she was, she's a CF, you know? And uh, she says, "Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's worth it if he can pull it off. I never knew if he actually pulled it off, but ever since that happened, when I coach people, I'll tell them. You get in the interview. One of the questions you want to ask is like, "What's the yeah. one thing?" Again, back to the one thing, right? One what thing. is the one thing that I can do in the first six months that'll make you look really, really good? Yeah. And they're going to get an answer, and then you quantify it. Okay. Yeah. And if I can do A, B, or C, or maybe it's if I can do A, then yeah. how about if you cut me five, ten percent of that? Right. And, you know, in most cases, the hiring authority is not going to commit to anything. But I would say 10 to 20 percent of the time, the interviewer will get something out of that deal. It's only because they ask for it. You got to ask for it. You got to ask for it. Negotiate what you need. And I tell people, you know, you got to fight for what you can get because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's owners and temps, man. I mean, Mm -hmm. hey, you and I represent a lot of these owners, right? But, you know. Now, in in defense of the temps out there, temps meaning employees and staff, most of them are getting screwed, man. You know, oh, absolutely. Uh, people are being overworked now, and and they're not necessarily being underpaid, but they're being overworked and not compensated for that additional work. Yeah. People working 50, 60 hours a week, and I tell people, you know, you go ahead and schedule a performance review, even if it's not time for your performance review. Just go in there and say, hey. I like to get a semi-annual one or a quarterly one and sit down and, you know, as you keep track of, of what you've done, ask for a raise, ask for a bonus, mm-hmm. ask for it, man. Yep. There's nothing I wrong with you. asking for something. I got gotcha. you. Fight for uh, it. Let's move on to number seven. We'll get through seven, eight, nine, and 10 pretty quick. Um, you. I love golf. I love watching golf. What yeah. you are doing is important. What the yeah. other guy is doing is not important. Worry about yourself. Don't worry about the other guy or girl. You know, the shot you have in front of you, the putt you have in front of you is what's important. Quit worrying about the other person. Yeah, you know, you hear this in sports all the time, and usually post-game press conferences. It's the same line, but it's true. And you hear it because it is true. It's, I only worry about stuff that I can control. I don't worry about stuff that I can't control. Right. It's so true. Yep. The... um. I learned it on a carrier deck, you know, where all the, you know, where everybody on a carrier deck is wearing a color coded shirt. 
yellow shirts, blue shirts, red shirts, yeah, you know, yeah. white shirts. I love that. Yeah, you know, and it's like the yellow shirt is taxiing airplanes all over the place. And he's got to focus on the airplane in front of him and making sure that airplane is safely navigating a very crowded flight deck. You worry about your job and the pilot yeah. that you're guiding and, and let the purple shirt or the blue shirt worry about what they're doing. If you're worried about what they're doing, you're not focused yeah. on yeah, you're not focused on what you should be doing. <laughs> yeah. Worry about worry about your own damn self. Quit worrying about everybody else in the world. Um, yeah, the other people in the world were bringing the other people in the world were bringing it down. I'm laughing because you know my first assignment was CV62, the USS Independence in yeah. Yokosuka, Japan, and uh, I remember all these color coded teams. I remember one guy in, in an office getting dressed down because. He was on the green team. He's worrying about the yellow team or something. It's like, it's like doesn't matter. Don't you, you quit? You quit worrying about you quit worrying about what the other people are doing. You worry about your own job. Yeah, um, and I think example. that's I think that's huge. I think the carrier um, is like the best example of when you're explaining to somebody the value of having a division of the labor in yes. your office. You know, different functions. The carrier. I mean, yep. it doesn't get any better than that, man. You know? Do your job. And that's it. You worry about you. Don't worry about the other person. And then yeah, the other person, what happens to the other person will fix itself, but you can't affect it. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, number eight, practice the basics. This is a, a military special operations thing too. I mean, you just, every day you're cleaning your weapon, going out to the range, yeah. sharpening the old K bar, you know, just practicing your kit where everything goes, using your equipment. It's just practicing the basics, man. I was laughing. I was listening to CNBC. And, you know, they got like a gajillion commercials going. It just drives me nuts. I was good, you know, heading back from Maryland, long drive. And uh, I was listening to CNBC and there's like this one golf store, 65,000 combinations of club heads, grips, club shafts. Yeah. Yeah, you know, whatever. And it's, you know, get your golf game in order. And it's like, you know, What's a set of golf clubs cost right now? Two thousand bucks, twenty five hundred bucks plus the bag. And I started laughing. And it's like, I want to create the commercial right after that commercial that says, "Forget about what that guy just said. All you <laughs> come, come learn how to putt." <laughs> because every amateur golfer in the world makes the same mistake. They go spend a trash load of money on new clubs and they never learn how to putt. And putting is a very basic function. A six foot putt counts exactly the same as a 300 yard drive. Absolutely. You, you know, they have a saying in golf, as you probably know, you know, you drive for show, putt for dough. Putt for dough. There you go. And, and uh, I was taking some lessons last year. Here's a quick golf story for you. So I hadn't golfed in like 25 or 30 years, having been overseas a lot. So I come back and I'm like, I want to really get into golf again. You're right. Man, I started doing some initial research. $2,000 for, for a pair of clubs, $500 for a bag. It's, it's like ridiculous. I go over to the local country club, which I'm not a member of. And the guy gives me a, a, a couple of lessons. He goes, you're a pretty good golfer. You know, you're probably shooting 90 to 95. And I started asking him about clubs. And I, because I was looking at the clubs in the pro shop, I'm like, I can't afford this. This is crazy. You know? And the guy says, Rob, he says, go out and get yourself a set of used clubs. And he goes, here's, here's all you need. He goes, your, your long irons are terrible. You're, you're tall. You're older now. 
hitting the two, three, four, five, even six iron, forget it. You're never going to get good at this, no matter how many how much time I spend. All you need is a seven, eight, nine, a pitching wedge, a driver and a three wood and a putter. That's it. You need like seven clubs. He goes, mm-hmm. call this guy up and uh, he'll get you set up with clubs. I call the local Goodwill, right? That's what it was. I bought a whole set of clubs for, I think, $29.99. Okay. <laughs> I mean, of course, I had to dust it off, right? But, you know, I no longer really gave a shit, you know, if the club fell out of the bag or it got a scrape because these clubs are probably 25 years old. Right. So, but the clubs were perfectly fine, right? I just yeah. cleaned them up, cleaned the bag. Uh, there, was, there was actually a pair, there was actually an extra set of 12 and a half uh, golf shoes that was probably from a dead man, you know? Yeah. I decided not to wear them. I've actually spent more on my golf shoes than I did the clubs. Yeah. And, and I was going out hitting 91, 92, 93. And I was playing with guys that had, you know, $2,000 yep. set of clubs and they were hitting 102. So I'm like, you're exactly yeah. right. It's just the basics, man. It's the basics. Learn how to putt. And that's the basics. Um, number nine. Number nine of 10. We're almost done here. If you don't understand it, stay away from it. How about this? If you don't understand it, call the wife. Or that's call the I wife. Do. Yeah, that's what I do. That's too. what I do. Lisa's Stephanie's in charge of all the engineering, the, the cooling systems, the water systems, the lawn, the gardening. <laughs> you know, she's in yeah. the, the cooking. All these are things I, I don't understand. Yep. So I just work. Yeah. I look at it like this. A good friend, good friend of mine, a you know, former friend, he passed away. Uh, he was ex-Special Forces guy, actually. Became a CFO or actually VP of finance of a startup company that wanted to go public. He went over there and he listened to their, you know, they, they talked him into coming over and he still didn't understand it, but he joined the company anyway. And he quit after three months. And he says, these guys are shady. Wow. Three months later, the CEO of the company was indicted. And he was caught up in it. He saw what was going on. He didn't understand it, but he went over there. After three months, he didn't understand it. He quits, but he's still encapsulated in it. He can't get out because now the feds want to talk to him about what he knew and his reputation's tarnished. Yeah, right. And I'm like, you know, look, it comes to this. Stocks, if you don't understand what the company does, don't buy it. You have financial derivatives. If you don't understand what they do, stay the hell away from them. Crypto. I don't know what the hell crypto does, and nobody can explain it to me yeah. in you know succinctly in a minute. And if you can't explain it to me in a minute, I stay away from it. And I think that just goes with your career. If you don't understand what you need to do to be successful, stay away. If you don't know what success in the company is going to look like, you know, you get it defined. But yeah. if you can't, if you can't figure it out or understand it, or if it's ambiguous, don't go there. Yeah. So yeah, if you don't if you don't understand it, stay away from it because you will get yourself in trouble. Yep. In the it military, does. again, I hate to keep going back to the special operations, but man, the one thing you would never want to hear downrange in a base, like a guerrilla base or something, you never want to hear the engineer yelling out, "Hey, fellas, watch this." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know what I miss. Is it always end badly? I'll tell I'll tell you what I miss. I'll tell you what I miss. I miss <laughs> I miss my TD Ameritrade account. Because <laughs> I was about ready to get my I was having a lot. I was having a lot of fun day trading. Yeah, I sit here, I get bored of day trade. I used to day trade. 
I can't picture day trade. And one day I got my, one day I bought some options. I bought an option spread. (laughs) And I started looking at that. Okay. I don't know what the hell I just did. And I started looking at, I'm like, if I don't get out of this thing now, I'm going to lose a shitload of money. And I'll tell you what I did was I bought, I I sold back-to-back calls on Microsoft. I meant to put one in, I meant to put one in kind of like a month out. And then I meant to put one in about a year out, but I put them in a week out and all of a sudden Microsoft started running. I said, Oh shit. So I got out of it, lost a shitload of money. You know, there was probably, you know, it cost me, it it was the stupidest thing. I was like, Oh, even my daughters, even my daughter's laughing at me. She's like, why would you do something so stupid? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You know, wasn't paying attention. There's always two sides to every trade, right? So there's probably right. a, a bunch of guys in suits in Wall Street w- looking at your transactions in the screen saying, hey, look at this guy from Wilmington, man. What the hell? Look at this guy. <laughs> now, the only yeah. thing I think, Craig, is it's it's a good thing you didn't say, hey, Lisa, watch this. Yeah. No, it's a, it's it's all good. So it was a, it was really funny. Yeah, no, I never told her that. Um, I never told her that story because she just would have yelled at me. But, but that's the whole thing it comes down to. Look, if you really don't understand – Exactly what you're doing. Just stay away from it. Absolutely. And and at the end of the day, what I realized is that options trading is fun, um, but there are smarter people with better systems out there who of are course. on the other side of that trade. Yeah, and yeah, they ain't me. So, and if I don't know how they make money, yeah, yeah exactly. pay for order flow, pay for order flow, for example, that's probably the better reason to stay away from. It. Yeah. So that's it. And then number ten, I think this is the, one of the most important ones. Number 10 pieces of career advice, your elevator pitch. Understand who you are, what you do, and be able to communicate in under five seconds. Here's my elevator pitch. Yep. I'll just give it to you. Okay. So elevator pitch. So here's what I do. I inform, inspire, and guide the Washington, D.C. insurance community in the acquisition, development, and retention of top talent. Bingo. That's it. That's what elevator speech should be, just very, very short. My elevator spe- speech is really simple. I work with middle market, small and middle market, private equity owned aviation companies, and I help them place their top talent at yeah, the right. sea level. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I'll tell you a story. Done. Okay. So uh, this guy that I've known, I mentored him from probably for the past 15 years. His name is uh, Tyler Van Hook, and you can look him up. Okay. So Tyler Van Hook is a guy that's won. He is known as, I don't know about the most highly decorated, but one of the most highly decorated. I know he has at least one, possibly two silver stars in Marine Special Ops. He's like, you know, overran a machine gun nest. I mean, he's been he's been wounded several times. I mean, the guy is is a legitimate like military hero. So I knew Tyler when he was just starting out. I mentored him, he used to send him books downrange. And he calls me up about a month ago and he says, hey, Rob, I just retired. Mm-hmm. He's only 38 years old, just retired and have a business with my wife called Cognitive Edge, spelled with a K. He goes, I want to raise some money. I need probably, I don't know, a million, million and a half dollars. He goes, uh, you know, we've been talking through the years and um, I really like your help. You know, maybe some mentoring. I know, you know, a lot of money guys sold your company to a billionaire, blah, blah, blah. So I said, I'll tell you what, come on up, come on up to my house. Stephanie and I will have you for a couple of nights. I'll introduce you to some of these mm-hmm. angel investors in DC. I know a couple of guys, very, very active. So he comes up, 
got this 35 page uh, presentation, all this stuff. And I said, I'm going to introduce you to two guys tomorrow. But you got to have an elevator speech. And I said, what's your elevator speech? And he goes, what's an elevator speech? So we walked on that elevator speech like all night. Okay. Yep. We're in the car on our way down to DC. I looked at him. It's like nine o'clock. I said, Tyler, what's the elevator speech? Mm-hmm. He kind of knew it, but he did, but it wasn't fluent. I said, dude, this thing has to be fluent. You have to, without hesitation, give the elevator speech. Yep. And I kind of worked on it a little bit with him. By the time we got to this meeting in DC in this really nice hotel with this uber wealthy guy, we were joking around in the car while we we're parking. He was just like doing the elevator speech with different accents. And he was, you know, just messing around with this thing. It was totally fluent, though. He knew it cold. And it was a good one. We get in, we meet this guy. And after like five or 10 minutes, the guy looks at Tyler and says, So, I mean, what is it about you? Why would I want to invest in your company? And Tyler just ripped off the, uh, he just ripped the uh, the elevator speech. It was perfect. And the guy, he, I mean, I know this guy really well. And he looked at me and right then I knew we had him. He was like so impressed with the elevator speech. We never even opened up the PowerPoint. The PowerPoint, right. They had a conversation back and forth. A one hour meeting turned into three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And the guy told me later, he says, yeah, he says, let me know when this guy needs the money. I'm in, yeah. you know, yeah. and he goes, I want to be on his board. And then we met a second guy that afternoon in Great Falls at his house. And he could tell that the meeting went really, really well. And Tyler's like, I can't wait to give this damn elevator speech again, man. And sure enough, in like five or 10 minutes, the opportunity came and boom, there was the elevator speech. There you go. It is really, really powerful, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's the whole thing about the elevator pitch is that you, know, you can forget the PowerPoints. Yeah, you know, I used to laugh when when I was at, you know, in the in the, the jet industry. You know, I'll, I'll be more specific. When I was at Gulfstream, they used to love their freaking PowerPoints. And they would talk about, you know, it was always amazing how the Gulfstream did. The, the Gulfstream is a good airplane. Look, there's no bad, but it doesn't do everything better than every other airplane in the world. I mean, it's just, yeah, every airplane's a compromise. But these guys would show up with these PowerPoints and they would you know, talk about if you have a hundred dogs on board and it's a high, hot day and, you know, no customer needs to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And no customer really cared about what the cost of operation is either. He just knows it's going to be a trash load of money. So you show up and you got luck. Here's the the end of the day. Yeah. It flies really high. So you're comfortable. It's got a really good cabin. So you're comfortable. It looks great on the ramp. So everybody's jealous. It holds its value. That's it. And you show up with your, that's your elevator pitch. And you take all your PowerPoints. You have, if, if Microsoft got rid of PowerPoint altogether, if the world got rid of PowerPoint altogether, I yeah. it, it'd probably be a better place. But yeah, that's, yeah, I tell people, I, yeah, it's, when, I, when I'm talking to kids, at University of North Carolina, Wilmington, first thing I say is, okay, what's your elevator pitch like? What do you mean? It's the first thing I focus on with them. Yeah. Yeah. When you're going into a job interview, my name is Joe. I'm a senior at UNCW. I've got a 4.0 GPA in this major. And this is what I'm looking for in my first career. That's it. Uh, Elevator Peach can be transformational. I know companies out there that don't even know their elevator pitch. I taught my three sons how to put together an elevator pitch when they were going out dating in bars. You know, know, if you really think about it. Hmm? You see a pretty girl, you go up and talk to her. You got to have your elevator speech, man. Yeah. Here's who I am, you know. I think about my daughter. I think about Maddie. 
Yeah, she's got Maddie. Diabetes. Maddie is grinding it out. You know, yeah, like yeah, you know, Maddie was diagnosed with diabetes when she was seven. You know, it adds it adds a, a big obstacle to every layer, but she always wanted to be an ER nurse. And and the one thing that she always told people was like, yeah, hey, I'm you know, I'm this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I'm, I'm getting my BS in nursing, and I want to be an ER nurse. Well, she can't yeah, guess what, she got hired as an ER nurse. There you go, man. She went to an interview. This is hysterical. She went to an interview. It was a, a video interview with Novant Health. And they the interview lasted for 20 minutes. And they said, we'll get back to you in about two weeks. We got a lot of other people to talk to. Four hours later, they called her back and said, we just want to make you an offer. Two weeks. It's a two-week process to reduce to four hours because she had yeah. her elevator pitched. That's it. So what are you doing this weekend? This is one of those vacation weekends that I love to work. It's like Christmas. You know, that week between Christmas and New Year's, I really grinded hard. So I've got a lot of stuff on my on my list here. I, I, I'm going to work from now until Tuesday. Just work, 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 because everyone else is goofing off celebrating Fourth of July. Yeah, I'll be here Monday grinding. This is one of my favorite weekends, actually. I love today's a, today's a slow day. Monday before Fourth of July, yeah. I'll be a really slow. I'm just going to grind. I'm going to grind out Monday. I'm going on vacation Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. I'm taking it, but but uh, vacations are for losers, man. You know. It's like, nah, everybody needs I want to work, man. I want to work because I know you're going on vacation now, right? So that gives me more incentive to work harder. I love everybody. Work. People are goofing off. Man. Everybody needs a little time off. Though. You got to goof off. Go no vacation. Mind, right? work, 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 work. <laughs> I work. I am working all the time. Man. It's like, yeah, but you've pivoted. You, you know, you're doing some pretty cool stuff now. It's still work though, man. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, but it's it's, yeah, but, doing it. but I love what you're doing. The executive coaching. The life coaching. A lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun. You know, helping people. I go over all these things, you know, focus, value, mediocrity, the obstacles, the way, you know, elevator pitches. This is all stuff I deal with these people all the time. And like you said, a lot of people out there that that have the abilities, the skills, experience, the, even the passion, the grip, but they just don't know the how-to. So a lot of times you got to coach them up a little bit. I mean, think about it. Even Tom Brady has like three coaches. Tiger Woods mm-hmm. has like six coaches. I mean, even your, like your peak, peak performers, they have coaches. Yeah. 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 No, I saw, yeah. I, I, I read Everybody it. needs a coach, man. I saw a really good post on LinkedIn. This guy was, was really interesting. He went from kind of, you know, fat slob to fit, stylish. And he said, Hey, look, I went from this to this. And he goes, I got a coach to help me get healthy. So I've lost 80 pounds. And then yeah. I went and got a coach to show me how to dress. There you go, man. Yeah. And he goes, and he goes, the money that I paid from the coaches has actually saved me money because I, you know, I'm saving money in food. I'm eating healthier. Of course. Yeah. My lifestyle is healthy. I'm not buying a lot, you know, drinking booze. Now, the you guy that happened. helped the guy that helped me, you know, the, the stylist has helped me buy a wardrobe that actually makes me look good with just a few basic items. So I'm saving money there. And he goes, get a coach. I'm like, yeah, I like that. That's a good, that's a good call. I coached a guy up one time, had a lot of money actually, single guy, a little older, and uh, all the same stuff. It was a life coaching thing, you know, how to dress, how to conversationally map, learn about music, you know, read the great books, you know, travel, all this stuff, you know. Same thing. He goes, you know, I'm actually saving money until what you know. What he didn't understand or realize at the time 
was the theory of unintended consequences, second and third order effects, right? Mm -hmm. He meets this beautiful woman and he called me back like six months later and said, Rob, I'm hemorrhaging money, man. And what are you talking about? He goes, all the stuff you taught me, <laughs> I attracted like, some really nice looking now, now he's gal, And she is expensive. <laughs> he goes, thanks a lot for nothing, man. He says, he says, sometimes I sit here in my car during windshield time thinking to myself, maybe I, maybe I ought to go yeah. back to the old man. You know, yeah. the old guy that I was, you know, just very happy, content, had a lot of money. He says, now he says, I got issues, I got drama, all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, uh, you got to think about the second, third order effects, man. Well, know? once again, you know, it's like Lisa and I, we'll go for a five mile walk on the beach. Yeah. In lieu of dinner out, we'll go for a five mile walk on the beach tonight. You know, yeah, I live a mile from Wrightsville Beach, right? And we'll go for a walk on the beach, you know, save a hundred bucks on dinner. Yeah. You know, yeah, she likes the exercise. I like the exercise. Dinner out doesn't do much for me anymore. So yeah, it's all about it's all about finding finding the right spot. Yeah, yeah. Stephanie and I uh, never go out to dinner anymore. What we do is we go out to lunch three times a week. There you go. We grill out. We just grill out in the back. We built yeah, got a big fireplace and the, the grill. Out I know you now. And uh, we just grill out and we like it that way. So thank you for everything. Uh, it's been, it, yeah, it's a great friendship and, and always love these conversations. And thank you for being a part of 200 podcasts. Yeah, man. The million dollar career rocks, man. Keep, keep it up, brother. You know, yes, sir. I think you got at least, uh, I got another hundred more, 200 more in you, man. 200 more before people to get tired of my stuff. That's, that's <laughs> not... <laughs> All right, brother. Hey, have, have a nice up. weekend, man. You be safe. We'll talk to you, brother. All right. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the aerospace executive podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pickett.